I don't want to talk about that. I'm more more issues to be talking about than that. The time right. was still still dark at the start, but it got brighter and brighter nearly every oh, day. Never mind, over six months because this is our season. I think that's a rough. Come up to the gutter to get where I am. I'm delighted to be here, but it's been earned. It's, that's it's, for a, sure. it's a great honour. It's kind of surreal, really. The whole thing has okay, been. Yeah, you've won them all, and that's pretty mental. What people in social media have done is disgusting. This. Is Sportsbeat Extra. Good evening. You're very welcome to Sportsbeat Extra. I'm Sean Connolly and I'll be with you every Saturday from 5.30. Today I'll be speaking with Shane Brophy. We're going to be looking at the Munster Senior Hurling Championship opener between Waterford and Tipperary. I'm also going to be talking to the editor of Football España about all things League of Ireland and the Champions League. You are very welcome along to Sportsbeat Extra. Sports Beat with HollywoodBets.ie, bringing the sports stars to you. 18 plus. Gamble responsibly. See GamblingCare.ie. Waterford hosts Tipperary in the opening fixture the 2022 Munster GAA Hurling Senior Championship tomorrow. The previous meeting saw Waterford run out comfortable winners in round four of the Alliance Hurling League with a scoreline of 128 to 21 points. There's much being made of a spectacular Waterford side and look, rightfully so. But a wounded Tipperary side is something that absolutely should never be ruled out. I'm joined today by Shane Brophy, a head of sport at the Nina Guardian. You're very welcome to Sports Speed Extra, Shane. How are you today? Not too bad. Good to be along. Good, good. You're, you're, well, look, you're very welcome along. Um, I suppose, look, as, as we welcome the first of the summer spectacles, there's many in Tipperary would consider this is the first real big test for Cullen Bonner. An extremely experienced man as a player, a selector, a manager, has served at much acclaim in, in Carlo, obviously, and with Wexford as well. Um, six months in charge of the Premier. What is the view of the manager across the county on the ground? Yeah, we're sort of, um, I think we're sort of still waiting, I suppose, for that one, that first real big, um, that the first big Colin Bonner, I suppose, win uh, as manager. I suppose that the league probably was, was underwhelming. Okay, three, it was three wins out of. Out of five, I suppose the the most audible win I get was against Kilkenny, and but I suppose the the quality of that game, it, it wasn't great, and I suppose the then the, the way that the Waterford game finished up the last fifteen minutes for Waterford power clear to that that ten point win. It's sort of we're sort of we're in a situation we just sort of even know what to expect. I suppose we're there is a uh, what would you say? I wouldn't say a, there is a. There isn't an awful lot of confidence here at the moment. I suppose when you there's when you the, the likes of Parik Maher and Brendan Maher are not there anymore. You have Seamus Callan injured. You have John O'Dwyer uh, not not on the squad. Like there, I suppose, I suppose when Colin Bonner came in, he didn't wasn't really speaking about a period of transition because he was hoping to have a a good core of those guys. But now, I suppose that the, the injuries and, and other circumstances have forced that upon him and. We're probably going to see a, a, a new Tipperary on Sunday, and I suppose from a tip point of view, we sort of don't really know what that looks like because I don't. Colin Bonner used the National League primarily to view um, to see what he's used thirty players during the league, and I suppose when you do that, uh, maybe a settled team or a style of play doesn't really emerge. So I suppose I think that's maybe the the. The one factor, the one thing where maybe even that it will unnerve Waterford a bit, but that we sort of don't really know what we're going to get from Tipperary, and I think we will know an awful lot more um, about this new Tipperary team after tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you've taken many of the my, my my own sort of thought process running into this. Mm. I mean. 
I was thinking massively that he could be doing with the experience of Porrick and Brendan Maher heading into this championship. I mean, tre- tremendous service to the county. And also what you touched on as well, he's been very vocal about the array of talents. And yes, look, admittedly, it could be his hand is being forced that uh, he's being as vocal about it. But making a, a tremendous note of the fact that there's, there's such a, a run of players, 22, 23, 24 years of age, massively talented players that haven't had an opportunity I suppose to get to, to get their chance on the biggest scene and look realistically it's been an incredibly strong panel it's been there for the last five six years uh, very successful and these players just haven't had an opportunity but now they do and um, he spoke very highly of them um, who would you be tagging as one to watch of the current crop that are getting an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have previously had yeah I should say like it's an exciting time in some ways because like you're, there, there will be the likes of uh, like a, the Craig Morgans or Robert Byrne or um, Mark Yeo, um Connor Bow, those sort of guys are probably going to get their first real uh, proper stab at senior championship hurling. They would have seen a, a short, uh, limited minutes over the last two or three years. But um, I think Mark Yeo is one in particular. I think there's a, a lot of people excited about. Like he has, um, he has an eye for goal. Like in 2019, he came on and against Wexford in the All Ireland semi final, caught a great. Uh, ball and Man did the same in the All Ireland final, and he's shown glimpses. Got a brilliant goal in the Munster final last year. He just um, is that eye for goal, and I think with with Waterford's tendency to get goals, I think if, if Tipperary are to to cause a to get a win tomorrow, I think they're going to have to get goals at the other end. And like, and Kios is is the type of player who loves trying to take on the opposition defender. If he's left one on one, he'll try and um, he'll try and work a goal chance no 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 different than the the, the Watford players as well. Like so I think if he gets quality service tomorrow and he gets um uh, I suppose a, a, a chance maybe to run at that inside back line, I'd be excited to see what he might do. Absolutely, absolutely, and that was. A, I mean, I, I was going to touch upon that with you. Obviously, with the, with the, with the level of players that are missing. I mean, namely in uh, in, in Seamus Callanan. I mean, he's usually the go-to guy with regards to them goals. And when you look at that league campaign, I mean, Tipperary hit eight goals in a league campaign. But if you were to disregard the game against Antrim, there was only one goal in the four other games. And I know that came against yeah. Kilkenny, but. I mean, Waterford are absolutely free scoring. I mean, they hit yeah. was it nine goals? Nine goals were hit in the semi final and the finals of the league. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um goals win games. I know look, I mean points, I mean there's a fantastic transition in the modern game with regards to points being hit from all sorts of angles on the field. But hitting one goal from four games, it's not going to get you over the line with it. And um no. I mean no, it's, it's not no. and, but I, I would um but there was definitely a noticeable shift, um from that round four game against Watford, where Tip maybe only had one maybe real goal chance um, to the Antrim game. I know people always say it's only Antrim, but Tip noticeably went for goals that day. And I think if there was a realisation that, OK, we got 21 points against uh, against Watford, which is a decent score, but like you, you see that the currencies that the, like, the good teams, the Limericks and the, the Watfords are dealing in, you've got, to, you've got to be prepared to go for the juggler. Maybe... Um, give up maybe the chance of the easy point and go for the goal and that was one Mary, I was maybe a little critical of, of Cork in, in the league final that, they, that there was chances where maybe um, they, they went for the point and when maybe they, they could have went for the juggler and gone for goals which is what, God, what, what Waterford did for some of their goals there was easy points on but no the, if there was maybe 
30 or 40 percent chance of a, of a goal chance that they went for it and I think I think any team that's playing Waterford this year they know that maybe I think no matter how well you might defend there's probably a fair chance Waterford will get a goal or two so you've got to be prepared maybe to take a risk of potentially maybe maybe wasting a couple of chances in the search of a goal at the other end and I do I think in the likes of Jake Morris, Mark Yo, Connor Bowe, even the Michael Breen, if he if he gets on the half, turn in behind a, a wing back, and he, he they, they, there's an awful lot of tip guys who are very very adept at scoring goals when the opportunity arises. Oh, definitely, definitely. And what something you touched on there, it was something I was speaking uh, very recently with uh, Stephen Frampton. Actually, I mean Waterford are such an extremely aggressive side; they're extremely direct in their play. They attack in twos and threes, and it makes it incredibly difficult for any opposition to defend against. I was making a point that I think at this moment in time, they're probably the best side in the country at being able to get to the other side of the defender with such consummate ease because they attack in such fluid, aggressive manner with so many bodies available. Now, the one thing that I was thinking, Tipperary have been a side that have been noted for many, many years of playing such beautifully technical hurling. These these lovely one-two passes, these cross-field balls that can really turn defence into attack in the blink of an eye. And I think it's going to be something that's very much needed against Waterford because Waterford pursuing forward in such aggressive tones and aggressive manners, there's going to be those moments that you've made reference to whereby it's going to be a split second of an opportunity to take that risk and take that chance. And I do think Tipperary are one of the best sides, if not the best side in the country, are taking that risk that maybe another side would not. How do you feel the the counter-attacking sort of transition is going to affect this particular game tomorrow? I, I think that, that there's definitely something in that because I remember going back to um, the All-Ireland quarter-final between the teams last year and Corky Keeve and I remember that like Noel McGrath played at, at wing forward on Callum Lyons and you think, you're thinking yourself got Noel McGrath while technically a brilliant hurler probably wouldn't have the legs to, to try and deal with a, a Callum Lyons who was very, very good going forward but Within ten or fifteen minutes, Noel McGrath had drifted in, ghosted off in behind him, and had set up Seamus Callan for a goal. Like, and you can always, there's always, there's no doubt that the, the aggressive and all action, forward thinking style of Waterford is fantastic to watch. But it does, if you do switch off, you can be used against them if um, if you go too far or you're too gung ho that 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 the, the smart hurlers or that the, the, the really sharp guys will will think, okay, I, I'll uh, I'll use his uh, maybe over-aggressive attack in nature against him. He might drift too far forward and we can maybe, um, maybe uh, he could be maybe uh, vulnerable going the other way in terms of his defensive duties. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see in terms of the, how Tipperary maybe do deal with the likes of him and then Callum Lyons. I think particularly Tyke the Borka, who's, I think his return um, from injury is the... I think he was the missing piece last year. Like he's just so essential to how well set that defence are. And I, I'd be interested to see. Like a lot of teams tend to leave Tig as a sort of a a sweeper and and, and sitting in front of Conor Prunty. I, I, I think if Tipperary have any success tomorrow, they've got to put somebody on to work it. They've got to. Make, and that's why I think maybe one of the two McGrath brothers who are they're, they're just, just so clever in their movement and drifting into space that I, that could give, if there's somebody who's to occupy the Borka and stop him doing his primary duty, which is holding that, that defence together, uh, it might open up some attacking avenues for Tip. That's it, that's it. And look, as you touched on, I mean, expect- expectation levels, they aren't as high as they usually are in the county. The team, I mean, essentially are... 
whether or not they want it. I mean, they're they're going to have an underdog status going into this particular game tomorrow. I mean, it is an unknown as to how this Tipperary side will fare up. It's a side that's going to feature a lot of young faces, a lot of new faces that could very easily gather momentum. I mean, it's 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 an unknown, and as you said, that's something that Waterford um, are going to be apprehensive about as well. Look, just finishing up, I'm going to ask you for your prediction on the game and on the Munster Championship overall. Yeah, look, I suppose look, the, the form suggests it'll be it'll be Waterford, but like there's um, but there's just something about the, the Munster Championship, and you have you have five traditional rivals. As every one of these counties is a rival to each other, and on the day, if if a team like the Tip could come out and produce a a performance, if if the Tip produce a performance, they're good enough to win. But you say there'll be young guys there starting, but like you go from Brian Hogan through Conor Barrett, Ronan Maher, the, the McGrath brothers. Um, Jason Ford, like there's, there's an awful Dan McCormick, there's still a an awful lot of all Ireland winning experience there. So I I fully think I think Tip will show us something we haven't seen in the league so far, whether it's enough to win. I don't know, you think on form it's hard to see, but like I I've remarked a few times in the paper like this Munster Championship won't be decided tomorrow in Walsh Park or Parky Keys, it'll be over the course of four matches and look um, you want to be winning your first game, but like I think, if, if Tiff come out of Walsh Park tomorrow, if even with a defeat, but with, mom, with a good performance and some momentum to take into their three games, I think that that I, I am not a fan of moral victories, but like you have to, you have to try and take something positive out of each game, and maybe that wouldn't be a bad result. But look, I think I wouldn't expect. I think Waterford would be fully primed for this. It's like, like if if Waterford mess up tomorrow. tomorrow they have to go to Limerick in, on Saturday week and potentially <laughs> against the All Ireland champions. Like, like the pressure is on straight away. So look, it, it's going to be fantastic. And then the championship as a whole, like you have Limerick and Cork and tomorrow as well. Like, and it's a, I'm yeah. interested to see the real Limerick after the league. Like, I know people doubting them and maybe they're slipping a bit. <laughs> I, I'm not convinced. I think this no. is going to be it's going to be serious tomorrow in Park no, and Eve as no. well. No, no, but look, look uh, it's been absolutely great chatting with you, Shane. Um, and as I said, it's even better to have Championship Hurling to look forward to. We'll follow up at the end of the Championship, myself and yourself, when we'll reflect on what's surely going to be an enthralling few weeks. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me today and uh, wishing you all the best. Sports Beat with HollywoodBets.ie, the home of Hollywood Bet Super 7, the ultimate tipping challenge. 18 plus, gamble responsibly. See gamblingcare.ie. I'm joined now by a man that knows a thing or two about the beautiful game, the editor of the brilliant Football España, a proud court man, a lover of all things related to soccer, home and abroad, Mr. Alan Feely. Alan, how, how are you? Thank you very much for joining me. No worries at all. Thanks for having me on. Good. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very, very welcome. Yeah, no, it was great to talk football, especially with a fellow Irish man, you know. That's Being, it. Uh, exiled abroad, you miss chat entire show sometimes, like, so, so it's good to talk with uh, a compatriot. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so, I mean, look, Alan, for those who don't know you anyway, I mean, your journey very much began in the League of Ireland, a league that has created many success stories through the years, particularly with Tipperary man Shane Long, also Wexford man Kevin Doyle, both of whom had the honour of representing your boyhood club, Cork City. Now, I know you've covered City for a couple of years in your late teens, and that inadvertently brought you to the southeast on several occasions. Fast forward today, and your beloved Rebel Army find themselves competing against the boys from the southeast one once more. It's recently been a fall from grace, but things are starting to look up for Cork City, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
my story with Cork City is basically since I was a child, you know. So I remember going initially in 2003, 2004, 2005. I remember being at Turner's Cross when they beat Derry to win the league in the last day of 2005 season. Um, and then, you know, going to Champions League qualifiers against Star Belgrade in the beginning of 2006 season as well. Um, and yeah, I guess it was the first place I watched live football properly um, and kind of got a grip of the game as it's played in real life as opposed to on the television screen, you know which is where the Liga, the Premier League and La Liga and the Champions League was primarily played um, during my youth. So I started going to games in England when I was maybe 10 years old or so. Um, and then, yeah, kind of grew up, you know, uh, went to the games with my buddies when I was, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. And then really got into it again, um, like hardcore, when they were relegated to their first division in 2010. Because, as I'd have to tell you, you know, there was a bit of rebirth in the club. Um, Forrest came in and took over. Uh, you know, the mismanagement of previous years was kind of laid bare. Things started again, and we went on to the, you know, the first division, back to the kind of, you know, humble roots of Irish football. That's it. All the way through, won, um, won the first division in 2011. Park, and we beat Shelburne. Graham Cummins scoring a last-minute goal, I think it was. And then coming up to the Premier Division from then, basically, and that's around the time I started working as a kind of freelance journalist doing bits and pieces for various papers around the country for extra time that he as well um, covering city basically between maybe 16 and 18 and then I stopped doing it when I went to university because um, I was kind of travelling and stuff like that and just doing various bits and pieces enjoying my student years and didn't pick up journalism again until recently but yeah my foundation was definitely during those you know 2011 2012 2013 that era of Cork City when we were quite strong and yeah obviously we went from strength to strength towards you know 2016 um, winning a lot of trophies and then fell off recently again but like you said we're beginning to make progress I'm not in court at the moment obviously my brother and my dad are and they're keeping up to date with everything that's going on and um, yeah when first division again just like when I started following them really seriously in 2020, 2010 and 2011 so hopefully we can have similar success um, like we did from that kind of you know, well that's it um, rebirth you could say that's it and 1-0 winners in Wexford at the beginning of the month a huge game in Waterford this uh, this coming Monday um, now the trip to the South East should show up a great spectacle for lovers of the, the home game and, 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 and the partisan support in Waterford the leaders are going to know that they're, they're coming to a game in Waterford I know recent form would suggest that Cork are going to take some beating but there is a pack behind them developing including Waterford one game can really shake up the standings and um, as good as it's looking for the Rebel County, Waterford have an opportunity to upset come Monday and um, it's looking fantastic for a nice run-in in the, in the League of Ireland Division 1, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, when a, a big quote-unquote club is relegated to the first division in any country, in any division, it's always difficult because you have teams down there who just know how to play that division, if that makes sense. I remember when Sunderland got relegated, for instance, to the championship um, and they got beat by the likes of Barnsley because Barnsley wasn't a Premier League club probably never will be a Premier League club they are a, a very well-schooled and well-driven championship club and there's lots of teams with first division like that so while on paper City should be favourites going into every game there are other clubs that you know can really put it up to them even though they may not have the same quality of players or the same backing or the same facilities and I, I would say Waterford are a bigger club than that. I'm not saying that they're of that uh, category at all. I think Waterford are a big club, of course. And the reality is, you know, um, Munster derbies are always something special. I know a lot of lads from Waterford. Um, I know a lot of lads from Waterford who live in Cork. And um, they always love the idea of uh, Waterford, you know, getting one past Cork City because, you know, 
I guess Cork is maybe probably considered the most arrogant place in the country. No, no, never, (laughs) never. I've never heard that. No, no, but look, it's um, it's something to look forward to. And as you said, the Munster Derbies, they're they're, they're a spectacle. So it's going to be a fantastic game on Monday. But uh, moving across the water uh, and into the day-to-day workings for you, the Champions League is really serving up some spectacles late, particularly in Spain, where you were lucky enough to be present for both Madrid games. What, what were they like in the flesh? They're incredible for different reasons too, I'd say. I mean, Real Madrid are a phenomenal club, you know, probably the biggest club in world football. Um, and European nights there are always something special. You know, Chelsea, of course, the reigning champions. And Real Madrid are the club who won the Champions League more times than anybody else, so it's shaping up to be a really mouth-watering game, given the first leg kind of left things relatively open, I think, you know. Um, and that proved to be the case. Chelsea were very good in the night. They're a very kind of cohesive, you know, well-drilled footballing outfit. But the reality was that Madrid had, you know, world-class performers who can change games um, to a degree that nobody else in the game has, in my opinion. I think, you know, the likes of Luka Modric and Karen Benzema are on another level to everybody else in European football when it comes to those nights under those bright lights. And it was the case again on Tuesday, you know, and the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. It was um, a genuinely amazing night, unforgettable night. Um, Real Madrid fans, when the pressure is on like that, when the European nights are that important, it's incredible to, to be there and see it, you know, because the expectation and the history of that club is second to none. And then last night, of course, as well, was incredible at the one image. Palatano for different reasons, maybe not the best football on the show, um, but a very, very good atmosphere, very passionate supporters, um, high stakes, tension. I mean, my whole thing with Atletico was that they were always going to try and take it to the final quarter or final third of the second leg um, where they're still alive, and that was the case. They got there in the final 20 minutes, um, only one goal in it, uh, began to press forward a bit more. Uh, City were rattled, Pep Guardiola was rattled, Phil Foden was rattled, and the game got very tense and bad-blooded, uh, spilled over into a brawl afterwards, and while people say that's unsavory, we don't want to see it, I personally love seeing it, I think it's brilliant to see. Um, I was quite close to the brawl when it happened too, so I can literally see Stephen Savage grabbing Nathan Ake by his, by his throat, you know, it was, it was an incredible, incredible evening, to be honest with you. The, the noise in that stadium, the one in which Paltano was second to none, it's... Uh, so loud and for different reasons in Madrid it was an unforgettable night as well you know and hopefully uh, hopefully yeah. the um, the football on Monday with Cork and Waterford can stand up to it somewhat and hopefully we uh, we avoid the fracas that occurred afterward in the, uh, the Metropolitano <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's um, it's England versus Spain really by two in the semi-finals in the Champions League isn't it what are your thoughts and where do you see the famous trophy ending up well I think it's going to come down to um it's funny because, like, before last night, I would have said that it would be between Madrid and Liverpool. That's what I would have said. But given the way Man City won last night, um, I think that they could have their name in the trophy. Just because, you know, the togetherness they showed, they kind of, you know, in Spain, we say the, the mala leche, the kind of the bad blood, the kind of, you know, the fight, the kind of tenacity. I think it was really impressive and it's something that I didn't know City had in them, to be honest with you, because, you know, in the past, we've seen them crumble in Europe time and time again, especially under Guardiola. And in fact, Guardiola's team, since he won it last in 2011, have generally failed in Europe. So to win in that manner last night under that kind of pressure, in that kind of hostile environment where you had, you know, Fernandinho backing up to the Foden, you had Jack Grealish and Nathan Ake, you know, getting right amongst it with some of the most hardened, professional European football. I genuinely could see City going all the way and winning it. But having said that, I think, you know, Liverpool and Madrid are also very, very much 
viable contenders. You know, Villarreal. I thought that Bayern would come back and beat them in the last leg, but they, you know, held out and got the incredible result there as well. So they can't be discounted either. You know, so it's going to be an open, open semi-final. You know, two ties ahead for sure. Four very good teams who deserve their place in the last four of Europe's League Club competition. Um, but if I was to pick a winner at this moment in time, based on my experience of last night, I would say City because I think for the first time in a long time, Guardiola and those players are very much on the same page when it comes to you know European exploits. And having come through the fire at the Wanda, you'd be surprised if they were uh, daunted by anything, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're certainly well-calculated points and um, we'll all be watching on and uh, waiting to see how it actually ends up. So, look, Alan, I know um, your time is very well spent between CNN and, and now, obviously, raising your game and getting yourself on Sportsbeat Extra. Uh, thanks very much for speaking with me today. It's been lovely. We'll touch base again shortly after the football. And uh, I wish you all the best, OK? Sportsbeat with HollywoodBets.ie, bringing all the blockbuster action to the palm of your hand. 18 plus. Gamble responsibly. See GamblingCare.ie. That's it from this week's show. If you have something that you'd like to talk about, email me at sport at beat102103.com and we will certainly look at it. Dean's on the way next with Beat Anthems.